0: Hi, I'm Glenn. And I'm Jim. And welcome to The Backstage Show. On this episode of The Backstage Show, we will be covering backstage...
1: Versus on stage or on stage versus backstage, if you prefer, whichever way you like it. And Glenn and I, from personal experience on both sides of the curtain, so to speak, should be able to yes. relay a lot of our experiences from that. But before we get to that topic, we have—oh my god, I'm so excited! <laughs> we have—it's it monumental. That's right, it's stupendous. Um, <laughs> we have for the first time ever on the backstage show. Our first listener voicemail. Well, actually, it's just the technically it's only the
0: first listener voicemail we're airing. (sighs) We actually have had a few before. (laughs) I don't even know if I ever mentioned that. Don't harsh my buzz, man. Sorry. Well, it's still exciting. It's still (laughs) monumental. But the ones we've had before... By the time I managed to pick them up, it was a little too late to cover them, but I made a promise that they would be in there, so I've been checking it regularly and making sure I get alerts when they're there. So Jim's friend Fish was nice enough to give us a call and leave us a voicemail about our previous episode, Costumes, Makeup, and Props. Right. He was specifically talking about
1: costumes and props and some unique experiences
2: he had with that.
0: So uh, let's give that a listen.
2: Hi, Jens Fisher here. Number one, thank you very much for the several shout outs throughout the course of the podcast. I am greatly dreading episode 100 as every Monday I refresh the podcast and hope to find a new episode waiting for me. Uh, regarding obviously props and costumes, uh, episode, and a couple times, one other thing to consider, you do on occasion have to coordinate with the other departments to come up with a, a costume. We did a show where we had an actor, uh, with a, flash uh, paper in his hand. I had it be ignited and we wanted to make sure that he was protected so I had to work with the costume department to make sure the clothes were non flammable fire protectant and I had to get specific gloves that I had to build a rig inside the costume to ignite the paper. So there is other, other uh, there's something. I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. Anyhow, love the show guys. Keep them going. Go past 100. This is bullshit. And bleep that for the fans. Bye.
0: Alright, so uh, first of all, thank you very much for the compliments. We certainly appreciate that.
2: Love you, Fish. And,
0: yeah. <laughs> and uh, I, I don't know. Will we go past 100? I don't know. We'll we'll, uh, we'll burn that bridge when we come to it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: with flash but, paper. Uh, yes, yes. Dealing with the the actual content of that, yeah, it is a good point that all of these costumes and, and makeup as well, they do kind of all need to coordinate with each other as well as yeah. with the director. And I guess kind of the director is responsible for making sure that those departments are talking to each other and making sure that everybody knows what's going on from one place to another.
1: Exactly. In a situation like that. And that's an extremely unique situation to have to run into. That's not going to come up. In I would think 99% of your typical community theater productions, but yes, occasionally it does. I mean, we've talked about how there's a fine line sometimes between costumes and props as far as if it's on your person, it's a costume. If you take it off, it becomes a prop. So this is kind of right. taking that one step further. So yeah, it happens. Yeah. And I mean,
0: it is it is definitely important for these departments to be talking to each other and, and talking to the director and making sure that it's all organized and goes the way it's supposed to go. That's right. Because otherwise, it, people can get hurt. That's right. And that's why we rehearse. Yes. <laughs> So thanks for that feedback, Fish. And of course, if you want to leave a voicemail for us like Fish did, you can give us a call. That's number is 267-225-8869. And I guarantee it'll be in the next episode because the next episode is the dreaded episode 100.
1: Well, we guarantee it'll be in the next episode if we get the message before we record the next episode.
0: Well, yeah, I guess that's kind of a given. (laughs)
1: If you have other comments you want to leave, you can just go to our website,
0: podcast.backstage.link and click on contact the show. Uh, I believe the phone number is there. And you can
1: also leave us a uh, message through the website. So yeah, your deadline if you want to get heard on the show is probably within the next couple weeks or so. Probably so. Probably so. But at any rate, for today's topic. (laughs) Yes. Today's topic we
0: are dealing with, as we said, on stage versus backstage. So what's better?
1: Oh, (laughs) depends on what mood I'm in that year.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I, I guess, you know, it's interesting. Both Jim and I have, I mean, a reasonable amount of experience, both acting on stage and working backstage as director or sound designer or various other things. And you can go back through our past episodes and comb through that to find out. Probably most of our <laughs> our resumes at yeah, this point.
1: You got started more backstage, right? And then moved on stage, if I recall?
0: I It kind of no, depends no. on how you look at how I started. I yeah. mean, you know, if you go way back to the beginning, that was like fifth and sixth grade where I was on stage. Right, right. And then I was doing pit band later. But when I came into community theater, that was on stage.
1: Okay. And I definitely started on stage and then... Worked my way backstage or back of mm. the house or wherever things were set up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, there
0: was also the lighting in high school, so I guess I did do a lot of a lot more backstage.
1: That's what I was thinking of prior I mean.
0: to community theater. But yeah, once I started with community theater, it was all on stage. And then after a while, I'm like, you know, I'd like to direct and <laughs> kind of work my way towards that. And I hear you did some sound design and that sort of stuff. Yep. Yeah, I was doing a lot of sound design early on, and then I just felt like I was getting known as a tech guy, and I'm like, I was worried I wasn't going to get cast, and I think I was getting cast less, and people kept coming to me more and more for sound design, so I kind of dropped that, and haven't really done a lot of sound design since then.
1: I think there are certain theaters that I've exclusively worked on certain aspects of the production on, and that's what I've come to be known as in that particular theater.
0: Yeah, it gets like that, and, and and at the time that was happening to me, I was only working in one theater, so I didn't want my only theater right. out, outlet to be sound design.
1: Whereas me, I poured myself out a little bit, so I, yeah. I, I had different <laughs> reputations in different towns. <laughs> and none of them good. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess we
0: can cover kind of pros and cons of each and mm-hmm. approach it that way, and then we'll determine which is better. Sure. Let's start with pros of on stage. Okay. Well, I mean, there's the obvious, you know, basking in the limelight and the glory of uh, of of
1: the actor. <laughs> yeah. If you're a major attention whore, then that's the place for you.
0: <laughs> I mean, it kind of is in a way. You kind of get that rush from being on stage. You get the applause, the
1: laughter. Hopefully, just if it's comedy. Um, and I'm just saying that us, uh, those of us who've acted on stage, it's only that we're a little bit of an attention whore, usually.
0: Just, well, I mean, you know, it kind of depends on the person. Some One of the things that I liked about it, I don't think we have this listed, is is that you get to be somebody else for a while. I think
1: you, can, you listed that, yeah. As a matter of fact, you did. Getting to be somebody you're not. Oh, yeah, look at that. <laughs> I can't even, can't even read my own notes. But, yeah, I, I think that that to me is is
0: kind of a pro. You get to potentially play a role a person that is nothing like you if you're if you're lucky enough to get cast as that sometimes people see you so much as how you are that it's harder to get that kind of role but it that opportunity is there whereas if you're backstage you're just you
1: you know it's gonna be a shocker but i had probably somewhat of a reputation as being a somewhat shy person in my (laughs) younger years shocking yeah totally but i think being on stage I was, at least when I was younger, I was able to overcome that easily by, you know, being somebody else or portraying somebody else. And it was kind of liberating in a way.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I kind of am like that as well. Again, I'm sure shocking. But, you know, I am a, a pretty introverted guy. But when you're on stage, you can you can be somebody else. You can be the, you know, the evil scientist. You can be the love interest. You can be anything, really, if... If you can act well enough, and somebody's willing to cast you as it, right? If you're the right height,
1: <laughs> or if yeah. you have the right chemistry. Now, <laughs>
0: uh, I, I mean, that's definitely part of it. You know, yeah. we've covered that before. <laughs> if you got the looks, yeah. yes, that's not all. So the other, the other, <laughs> the other advantage, I guess, to being on stage is you are in control of your own performance. Once that curtain goes up, once the lights come up, and you're on stage, and the show is going you have the ultimate control over what is happening.
1: Right. And because it's live theater, you're doing it in real time and you can, Mm -hmm. you can choose to emphasize things a little differently every time. Or if something feels right to go in a slightly different direction, not too drastically different, but just a different energy that one particular night, you can take it there and see where it goes.
0: Yeah, I mean, we certainly have discouraged this in the past, and I would continue to discourage it. But as an actor, once that show opens, the director is completely out of control, and you can do whatever the hell you want, technically.
1: More or less, there's really nothing anybody can do about it at that point. Yeah, to and be I've quite seen frank. some actors who I've seen some actors who just go off and do whatever the hell they want, and. I, uh, you know, I'm not advocating for going wildly off tangent or no. off script or anything like that. I'm just talking about no, little no, no. subtle nuances of the performance to yeah. capture the energy a little bit differently maybe at the time. Maybe it's a matter of, well, it's also a matter of reacting. Maybe you pick up on something a little differently in one particular performance than you did the night or the night before, and you play off it a little bit differently because it feels right in that moment.
0: Yes. And, and that's, that's, I think a sign of a good actor who can take that kind of thing and roll with it. I'm certainly not advocating that you should just go off and do whatever the hell you want. I'm just kind of pointing out that you, that, that, that that ability
1: is there. There's nothing to stop it it, technically.
0: Yes. It's, it's discouraged, but, (laughs) but, but you can do that and maybe that'll give you more of a thrill. Well, yeah, there's
1: the rush factor, the potential rush Mm -hmm. you get from it being in the moment. Mm-hmm. especially if it's and a very cathartic kind of a moment
0: yes and also another advantage is you are spending all of this time with the cast and you really get, a, get up a camaraderie and in some ways you, you, you become part of this little family uh, you know some shows different than others but as an actor you're spending time with all of these other people and working with them more than arguably other backstage people are more even than the director because you're with them you're you're a team, you're If you're not on stage, you're talking to them off stage and backstage and all that, you're, yeah, part of a family.
1: Well, it really depends on how the production goes. I mean, that's usually the desired outcome that it turns out that way. But, excuse me, there have been plenty of cases where even if the audience can't really pick up on it and the chemistry mm-hmm. on stage is quite obvious, it could very well be that the <laughs> people involved aren't speaking to each other backstage, yeah. which is oh, sure. not what you want to happen, but prefer to avoid that, but it can happen, but hopefully it doesn't.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely, but but
1: I think the, if we're talking this
0: from a pro angle, I think the availability of the cast as a cast member, that makes any sense. Like, the cast is spending a lot of time with the rest of the cast.
1: Right. Yeah. Sometimes you gang what? together and bond together <laughs> in spite of a director that's not giving what you need.
0: <laughs> yep. Yep. So... <laughs> On the con side of being on stage, what are, what
1: are the downsides? Lines, lines, lines. My favorite note <laughs> blocking, to give. Blocking, blocking. <laughs> during, off, uh, during off book week, my favorite note to give. Lines, lines, lines. Yes. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of memorization and it is obviously extraordinarily important because if you forget your lines, it's kind of hard to do a show. Yep. And if you're not good at memorization, that can be a pretty big handicap. Yes, it can. Because most I mean, community theaters won't really uh, want to go to the trouble of, you know, plotting out cue cards somewhere.
0: No, I've seen circumstances where that's kind of done, and it's usually pretty poorly done. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, all of that memorization can lead to a lot of nerves. Yeah. <laughs> you just get
1: seriously nervous. I, I mean. But even without the memorization, nerves can certainly be a factor. If you're worried about. Maybe a particular moment in the show, how it's going to, how you are going to pull it off that night? Uh, Yeah. Whether something, whether there will be a mishap, if you're paranoid about stuff like that and how you'll be able to react to moments like that if they come up. Maybe it's actually good to mentally prepare yourself to know what to do if you're expecting there could be a problem spot and something does go wrong. Mm-hmm. And and
0: that's kind of the thing. It's that you you need to be on for every single performance. There's not like you can have an off night because that audience is there to see that show. So yeah. you don't really get a break where you're like, ah, you know, I can kind of just phone sit it in. back on this one and phone <laughs> it in. You you can't do that. Every one, you, you every performance is its own performance, and you have to be as close to perfect as possible for every one of those performances.
1: And that can be challenging because. As we've probably said before, the energy from every audience can be somewhat different, and you feed off that energy differently every night, but you have to yep. avoid getting discouraged if you feel like you're not getting much of that feedback, and you just have to plow forward like they're eating every lineup. Uh, yes. Yeah. Quite honestly. Yeah. And, and you also like we said, dealing with the unplanned, you have to have some degree of being able to think on your feet and react to situations as they arise or deal with somebody feeds you the wrong cue line, then you have to figure out a way to try to steer things back on course and deal with it in the moment.
0: And that's, that's kind of a, another con is, you know, on the pro side, you are in control of your own performance, but on the con side, you're still relying on, at least somewhat, on the other actors. Absolutely. And they are relying on you, so that leads into the nerves as well. But, I mean, there's there's that that camaraderie can be good, but at the same time, if you don't have that give and take, if the cast isn't clicking, then you're in for a, a rough ride.
1: Yeah, and that's going to hopefully naturally come out of the rehearsal process and people creating a synergy that they can pick up things from one another and pick up things for one another. If Mm -hmm. it comes to that. Yeah. And that's, and also speaking of rehearsals,
0: that's, that's another thing that that could be viewed as a downside is there are very, very few legitimate excuses to miss any rehearsals or shows for that matter. I mean, Oh yeah. If
1: you get sick, it's like the show must go on. Somebody's got to fill in or, or you got to fill in or whatever. You can't just stop a show in the middle and call line. (laughs) yeah
0: (laughs) it does not work
1: (laughs) no it does not at least not
0: well (laughs) and then before you even get to that that whole point where you're doing the the memorization and the performances and all of that there's there's auditions and that that can be a big con because it's you know it's nerve-wracking to have to do these auditions and and you're pretty much guaranteed that you're going to experience rejection there's no way that you're going to get cast in every role that you want to get every time you audition
1: it's just not going to happen right if you're involved backstage in some capacity then that's usually determined before the production starts and you're guaranteed your spot generally but if you're auditioning for the show no guarantees whatsoever absolutely
0: so that's that's on stage how about uh backstage let's well, take a look at that
1: there are so many different roles backstage so to speak so it's a little bit probably a different experience for everybody involved but if this say you're a director then you have the you're in the position to be the visionary and sort of shape the show as a whole mm-hmm. in terms of its style in terms of its execution uh, in terms of the interpretation of it
0: yes you're, you're starting with a script obviously that, that a writer has Control over before you're getting your hands on it, but once you've got your greedy little director hands on it, you are the one that determines, you know, precisely how these lines are supposed to sound and where they're going to go, when they're going to go, what props they're picking up that aren't necessarily specified. You have a lot of control over the overall vision
2: of mm-hmm. the
1: show, and that's something that I know I enjoy doing, and I believe you do as well. I have, so, and I yeah. think a big piece of that came from the feeling of, okay, as an actor. Like we alluded to earlier, there are only so many different kinds of roles I'd be likely to be considered to play. Whereas Mm -hmm. as a director, you can shape everybody's roles to some degree. So it sort of broadens your horizons in that manner.
0: And then, of course, if you like the limelight as an actor, then very often as a director, you might be recipient of some of the accolades when a show goes well. Depends on if the audience knows who you are. (laughs) This is true. This is true. But... You know, those who do know can be like, Hey, you really did a great job directing with that, you know.
1: I yeah, I guess in my experience when I direct I end up tending to have a little bit more anonymity. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um Yeah, that's that's fair. You you and I mean that could be viewed as a
0: pro or a con, really. You're you're kind of like
1: Yeah, it's not my butt that's out of on stage. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm not the one they're booing. <laughs> Hopefully nobody's booing you, honestly. That should never happen uh, in a community bad. theater production. That shouldn't happen in any theater production. It shouldn't, but especially a community theater production,
0: I suppose. So it's not like anybody's getting paid,
1: right? Right.
0: But also as a as a director and in uh, some cases other backstage roles as well, you get to see the growth of the entire production from you know the little germ of an idea, and as the show gets cast, and as they work on their roles and develop the roles and memorize things and it kind of gets to a point where you know you you kind of get this sense of pride the sense of accomplishment when when things do go well and that show starts to solidify and gel and
1: yeah I think you gain a better appreciation of the overall process that way I mean oh absolutely when you're acting yes you can kind of pick it up from a certain perspective but you're sort of in the middle of it you're just concentrating on the one portion of it. I think in any case, you can still sense how it's evolving, but I think being able to take a step back as an observer, you can really see everything, how it's unfolding. Right, right. I think more so. And yeah, that can, if it goes well, that can certainly give you a sense of pride and accomplishment to say, hey, we put all this together and it worked. We found a way to do it. We pulled it off. Audiences liked it. And that feels good. Yes. (laughs) So, um, what
0: about some other backstage roles? I mean, that's mostly director, but what about yeah. like sound design? I guess it's like, or, or light or that kind of thing. It's like you have the ability to kind of come and swoop in and do your yeah. thing and swoop back out. That's, yeah, that, that's, that's
1: a, that's, a um, that's kind of an ideal position to be in if, say, you don't want to commit to three or four months of a whole production. It's easy with positions like that, whether it's a stagehand or, Operator, sound designer, light designer, things like that, where mm-hmm. you, it's more of a part-time kind of a position where you can, first of all, some of the work that you do may not even happen at the theater. You can just do it at your leisure. Um, right. But then when it comes time to actually get involved with the rehearsals and the performances, then it generally does happen relatively late in the process. So it's a much shorter time period to have to commit to. So there's that advantage.
0: And I've also done set design where that's early in the process where you're (laughs) coming in, working with the director, getting your set design, and then uh, you're done unless you go in for the construction.
1: Right. Well, set design is kind of unique in that a good portion of your work happens outside the theater, and then the portion of your work that happens inside the theater still happens before the show starts. So Mm -hmm. you have no direct, kind of like the director, you have no direct involvement in the actual having to execute the performance every night.
0: Right. And that can definitely be an advantage. I mean, when I've done only set design, it it seems like most of the time they want you there for the actual set building. But there have been a few times where I've just designed the set, handed it off and been like, all right, you know, I'll see it when it's all built. Give it to the master
1: carpenter and away you go. Yeah, pretty much. Um, So, again, kind of depending on your schedule, there are maybe there's maybe more flexibility with being able to get involved backstage, depending on what you're doing. To, uh, to fit with your schedule. Yes. So that's uh,
0: that. That covers a lot of the pros of being backstage. What about the the cons, the downside of being backstage? There's
1: certainly some of that with a director. <laughs> well, like you said earlier, uh, once the show opens as a director, you can't really change anything. Yeah, I mean,
0: <laughs> you know, I'm joking about actors going off and doing whatever the hell they want, but I mean, the reality is they can do that, and if they start saying, "Yeah, I didn't really like that direction," I'm going to ignore it now. There's really not a whole lot you can do other than not cast them again.
1: Yeah, I've been in that situation before. And it be, it gets to be an awkward situation if it's usually not done in theater that you're still giving notes between shows once the show opens. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, my general rule as a director, I, I think... I've been with directors who like to give notes for the entire run of the show, and I always thought that was ridiculous. Mm -hmm. So I basically just tell the cast once the show opens that I'm not going to give you any further notes unless you change something that you have been doing. I will let you know, hey, like, you've gotten too big in that scene. Bring it back to where it was at the end of, you know, tech week. Because sometimes it's just like once they get an audience in there and they're getting that feedback, it tends to create this feedback loop where it keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger and they really – do need to reel it back but it's just like once that show opens even if you're like suddenly coming up with a great idea like oh i should have changed that blocking here (laughs) you can't change blocking in the middle of the show the actors would never
1: deal with that the only major exception i would make to that as a director would be if something unexpected happened and nobody was really quite sure how to deal with it And maybe as a director, you could suggest, or maybe I have suggested, okay, if this happens again the next time, maybe try doing X.
0: Yeah. I think it's, if anything changes, you know, and that's just the change, then you can kind of do that, but you can't really, if something external changes what you've been doing, you can try to correct for that, but you can't initiate the change really.
1: I guess, yeah, right. I guess what I'm saying is if something happens accidentally- Mm-hmm. and absolutely, the yeah. actors weren't quite sure how to deal with it at the time or address it, and they kind of winged it. Um, mm-hmm. That, to me, is an appropriate time to maybe suggest, okay, if this same accident happens again, which it's already happened yep. once, so maybe the likelihood is there it'll happen again, then maybe try doing this. Yes, yes, agreed. So if something does go wrong such as that, that
0: you can correct for in a future performance, you're still probably going to be the one that takes the blame for it. Yeah, sometimes an audience can be like, oh, that actor forgot his lines, or oh, that actor made a bad choice, but a lot of the times, if an actor is just... If you haven't been able to direct that actor to act a certain way, if that makes any sense, a lot of the times, you're going to take the blame for that and go, oh, that, that was just poorly directed, even though you told them to do it a different way, but they're still not doing it that way. I've had that experience. Really? Oh, yes. <laughs> wow. I'm not going to like get into details about that, but yeah, I've, I've had circumstances where I've tried to the best of my directorial capability to work with them. But I mean, it's like I, I've had actors who can't get off book and we're working so hard on those lines that I haven't been able to work on the rest of the acting. That sort of thing.
1: Yeah, you're just trying to get the the basic level of, yeah, functionality that you can't don't really have as much of an opportunity to embellish on it. Do you, did you feel like you as the director or that anybody was blaming you for that? Well,
0: uh, that starts getting into my uh, uh, mental problems because I know. <laughs> I certainly blamed myself for it, and usually if I'm blaming myself, I'm assuming everybody else is blaming me for it. Oh, that that seems like a perfectly legitimate assumption. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we we could get into details about
1: OCD and my discussions with my therapist some other time. But <laughs> well, yeah, maybe this will, I'm blaming may, maybe myself the, for it, if nothing Maybe the next it. podcast will involve more into the theater therapy full-time. <laughs> anyway. Yeah,
0: there you go. <laughs> um,
1: no, I mean, I... This is just my opinion but I think, you know, we've all seen shows where you can maybe tell in the cast that maybe certain performers performances weren't quite as up to snuff as others. And yep. I think to to put the finger on the director to point the finger at the director for that is probably a little presumptuous unless hmm. there unless there's a way for the audience to tell that okay, this person did what it looked like they thought they were supposed to do, but didn't understand why they were doing it. That would be the indication of bad directing, I think.
0: But I think that that relies a lot on audience having a certain amount of knowledge about theater. Yeah, and it's
1: one of those things where, you know, when I became a musician, I certainly listened to music a lot differently. And I think the same is true with theater because of having acting and directing experience. I certainly watch a show differently than probably does a theater goer who isn't necessarily involved in theater Mm -hmm. productions.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, all right. Before we go too much further down the, uh, that (laughs) pity party. Yes. Well, other, other cons. Um, I mean, when you're looking at like, uh, tech, when, when those tech rehearsals start and the, and the cast is like, you know, rolling through their scenes and you're like uh oh, you got to hold to adjust yeah. the lights on this the the tech people can there can be a certain amount of resentment from the cast for holding up the rehearsal even though
1: that's really what you're there to do they don't call tech week hell week for nothing but it, that is know, exactly what they kind what of happened. do. Right? <laughs> yeah,
0: but I mean, it's got to happen. That's that's the whole point of holding those tech rehearsals. It's not for the actors, so right. It, but but you're still kind of getting blamed and resented for that.
1: Sure, you're. Uh, we have to do this light cue five times. Why can't you get it? It's just pushing a button, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, and and uh, and along those lines, also with tech, if you're watching a performance, uh, the if the tech is going well. If the sound is is really good, if the lights are going well, they're not really noticed by most people. I mean, yeah, for those who have a knowledge of that, like we were saying before, you're going to notice it more. But generally, your average theater goer is only going to notice it if something goes wrong.
1: Yeah, because when something goes wrong, it's a lot more obvious than if everything went right.
0: Like an actor can, in some sense, get away with forgetting a line because... There could be a pause in there.
1: Dramatic pause. They could throw out
0: a a dramatic pause. (laughs) They could throw in a different line. They could make something up and improvise. It can be covered, and a lot of people won't even notice.
1: Exactly. But if there's a blackout in the middle of the scene where there's not (laughs)
0: supposed to be a blackout, it's kind of hard to cover for that.
1: Yeah, unfortunately, moments like that are really not easy to... Uh, gloss over like uh, for example I don't know a wolf howling and stopping and then restarting in the middle hmm (laughs) there's nothing at all odd about
0: (laughs) (laughs) that's perfectly (laughs) Yeah, wolves do that Uh, all the time it's not like that's the only time I've had a sound cue go wrong in a show (laughs) or a like you and it, it happens and I think most of us let it let it roll off our backs, but I mean that's going to be a lot more noticeable and memorable than than just a wolf howling.
1: <laughs> yeah, sad but true. But unfortunately, yes, there's more exposure and vulnerability if, as the executor of a sound or light cue, if something goes wrong, mm-hmm. people are going to notice. Yes,
0: and here's here's another one that that I, we hadn't noted down, but other areas of tech, if there are certain things that might go wrong during a performance, like for a costumer, if the costumer yeah. happens to be there, they don't always attend. But, I mean, if something gets ripped in the yep. middle of a show, they might have to sew it up, like, backstage in the <laughs> middle of it or come up with something else to do. Or if a light blows out, if the lighting guy's there, they're going to have to go through and they might have to replace the the bulb in the middle of, of something. We've had that happen, so... It it could be never ending work, and it's just putting out fires, really.
1: If all the wireless mics suddenly go on the fritz and start feedbacking off one another, and none of them work right, then you're toast.
0: Yeah. So so that kind of covers most of the pros and cons of on stage and backstage. So so who wins?
1: Who wins? <laughs> <laughs> What's better? We all
0: lose. <laughs> we, you know, it's funny coming up with these lists. I you know. We both love doing theater. I love acting. I love directing. I've loved all of the stuff that I've done most of the time, <laughs> <laughs> even when things have gone bad. But I found it so much easier to come up with a list of cons than a list of pros. Because the pros are like, if it goes well, it's just you have this sense of accomplishment and this sense of. I, I don't even. I can't even yeah. explain what it is that that drives us to do this. But obviously
1: that's the biggest pro. That's my personality too. I, as working in the field of engineering, I focus on trying to fix what's not working. Mm -hmm. And if everything is working, that's great. And I don't necessarily pay attention to that as much, or it doesn't stick out on me as much. But if something is not working, then that's what jumps out at me. And that's what triggers the impulse to want to find out how to fix it. So I think you, like me, tend to focus on the nitpicky details of what didn't work or what are the hurdles or the hiccups or the hangups. Um, Yeah. I
0: I don't even think, I I don't even think that's necessarily a negative way to look at it. I don't think either of us are looking at things with a negative eye. It's just like, Oh, what can I fix? What can I do differently? What can I do better?
1: Well, I'm sure you've had the experience that I've had as far as giving notes and it's easy to give notes to fix things or tweak things, but Mm-hmm. I've had to work at making myself give, make more of an effort to give complimentary notes. Yeah, absolutely. I do that all
0: the time. Where I'm like, I, this. If it's going really well, it, it's like you know, all I want to do is kind of just go, you know, at a boy. But I mean, <laughs> like, you, you want to like give them specifics on exactly what it is they're doing that that's making it good. But I mean, it's like, well, you're doing it right. You're doing it good. Just keep doing what you're doing. So. I have to remind myself that 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 often has to be verbalized. That hey, that was really good. I like what you did there. Yeah. Whereas it's so much easier to be like, oh okay, can you like you know take a t- move that a half a beat earlier, like <laughs> oh, it, God. just tweaking things.
1: <laughs> yeah, really fine tuning. Um, that gets me yeah. crazy. But I, you know, like I've said, I've gone back and forth between acting and directing. Sometimes I have liked one better over the other. Um, mm-hmm. There are certainly some fulfilling aspects of both, and there are certainly some maddening aspects of both. And <laughs> yes. at various times, I think the balance is tipped in different ways as far as which one affects me more and what that causes me to want to do or not do the next time around.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. I mean, but what's interesting is something like – uh You know, if I'm directing a show and it goes really well, then that might get me to want to direct another show. Mm -hmm. Or if I'm directing a show and it goes not how I want it to and I think it goes poorly, then that might get me to want to direct another show to do better the next time. So (laughs) it's not like a bad experience with one makes me want to do the other. Sometimes the bad
1: experience with one makes me want to do that one again. I think it, for me, it has depended on just how stressful a given production was for me. If if one mm-hmm. production was really incredibly stressful and I was really in over my head and overwhelmed with a lot of stuff, then that will probably make me reluctant to want to go back to that capacity again in another production, at least not anytime soon.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's fair. I mean, I
1: it's just kind of like, it's almost a whim whether I want to act or direct. Yeah, I, for the moment... For speaking for myself, I am not 100% sure which way the scale leans for me as far as what I'd want to do next. I yep. may possibly be leaning towards going on stage again. Okay. My most recent theatrical experience was doing voice acting, and I really got a kick out of doing that. I mean, that's a little bit different from a full-fledged stage performance, but Maybe it whetted the appetite a little bit to yeah. consider that avenue.
0: I think when it comes down to it for me with on stage versus backstage, uh, there is no winner. It's pretty much a tie and it just depends on whatever I want to
1: do at that particular moment. But at least the comforting thing to think about is you've gotten yourself to the position where you have had opportunities to do either or to do yeah. many different, serve many different roles. Yes, which is
0: fantastic, and I
1: greatly appreciate all of the opportunities that I have been given. Likewise, so even if I complained immensely about it later, but still, I had the chance. (laughs) Agreed. (laughs) So on that note, I guess that kind of
0: ties up this episode. Uh, If you've got any comments or questions or, well, I'm not even going to ask for episode ideas at this point, but do you have any comments (laughs) or questions? You can contact us by visiting our website, podcast.backstage.link, and clicking on Contact the Show, or you can, of course, leave us a voicemail or a text message at 267-225-8869. This is your last opportunity to leave a voicemail to get aired, like Fishes did earlier,
1: 267-225-8869. And I'll just throw this out there, even though we're pretty much closed on accepting new topic ideas I'll open it up to say if there's anything that you would, any specific thing that you'd like to hear Glenn and I do on the final episode. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, we're, we're kind of knocking
0: around ideas on what we may or may not do. There there may be a visit by the, uh, from the, there may be a visit from the Fareweller Man. But we'll see <laughs> what happens there right now. Like, uh, we usually have episode notes. It, it originally just said, wing it. Now it just says looking back and looking forward. So we'll see how that hundredth episode goes. I, I know there's going to be at least one bottle of champagne. <laughs> probably one on either end of our. Uh, but yeah, this become, yeah, could we're, become we're, quite I, the I know I'm looking game. forward to that. <laughs> but we'll see how it goes. All right. So if you have enjoyed uh, this episode or this show overall, you can still subscribe if you'd like. Uh, I, I You can see all of those back episodes if you do subscribe you can leave us a review you can tell a friend you can go to the website and also at podcastappbackstage.link you can
1: find all of our back episodes or again if you subscribe they should all come up all 99 of them that's right you can go back and listen to how many times we've told exactly the same stories over and over again i'd no more than 99 (laughs) well (laughs) yeah i guess that's technically true
0: yes So next time you hear from us, which will be who the heck knows when, but that will be our special 100th episode celebration. That's right. And until
1: we do return, I'm Glenn. And I'm Jim. And thank you again for joining us backstage. Aloha. <laughs> pa 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 pa
0: pa pa pow Well, no, but you you adjust the volume. Well, you adjust the volume. Why am I getting louder? Sorry. It's all right. I get paid by the hour. You almost got to witness me falling on my ass there. (laughs) I dropped my rather pointless business cards. Can you still hear me?
1: I can hear you, but I think the video froze.
0: You are frozen.
1: So are you. Can you still hear me?
0: Uh, I do hear you again. <laughs> you keep freezing. <laughs> All right, you're frozen again. I'm rebooting. I'm gonna text you and let you know I'm rebooting in case you're not hearing me. But we're good. Well, I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> okay. I guess are are we actually ready to go?
1: I think so. <laughs> Hi, I'm Glenn. Oh, I'm G- clipped. <laughs> Duh, sorry. <laughs> We really don't have to wait, do we?
0: Oh, I thought we had to wait.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right, this week on the backstage show, we have a. It's not this week. This time? What do do we say? Why don't you just say it, because apparently I'm no good at this. (laughs) 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 Just for the sake of witness protection, we should maybe just call him Fish. (laughs) Some people call me that as sort of a term of affection. Well, some people call me the space cowboy.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So before we get to discussing it, uh. No, wait, I gotta go back. Props and costumes, and what else did we talk about costumes? We talked about prostitutes. <laughs> Prost- we talked Cost- about prostitutes? Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> wrong podcast. So, uh, and this... Oh, my God. So we are off to a really wrong start again? this time.
1: Let's try it. Take four. All right. <laughs> 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 didn't wow, sound, I think I didn't we, like we got it. more outtake content than actual real content <laughs> <laughs> already. So, but! with that... Yeah, and I've been in that situation. Oh my god, sorry. I don't think either
0: of us are nook looking at things. Nooking?
1: It's
0: gonna make for some interesting outtakes. Uh, <sighs> uh, <sighs> Who? <sighs> oh, I have spoken.